Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and this month we're doing something a bit different. I'll be answering the questions you send in. Questions about the Christian faith, the church, the Bible, anything you may have always wondered about but never asked. Email your questions to pastor at stjohnslutheran.church. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. This is our one and only question for this week. It is a big and excellent question, so I want to give the answer to this some space and some time. And as I mentioned, if this answer raises more questions, please do let me know. And as always, I am responding to the best of my ability in the hope that it will be helpful and that it will help us grow in our faith in Christ. So, why are there different synods in the ELCA? And why do their beliefs vary so much? So I think it might first be helpful to clarify some language that might be confusing around the use of the word synod. The word synod is from two Greek words, syn, S-Y-N, which means together, like synchronicity, and hodos, which means way. So synod means on the way together. So in the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, our denomination, our larger church body, geographically, we have nine regions. We're in region two, so there's a map uh, from our Synod website. We're in region two, which is the Southwest US. And region two is broken into 65, what we call synods. We're in the Pacifica Synod, which is basically everything southeast of LA and Hawaii. Synods are like sort of districts or local jurisdictions. They are shepherded. The congregations in the synod are shepherded by a bishop and a synod council. I'm actually on our synod's council. So the ELCA is the largest Lutheran denomination in the U.S., but you may also have heard the term synod used when speaking of the next two largest Lutheran denominations in the U.S., the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, LCMS, and the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, WELLS. <laughs> we Lutherans really like our acronyms. <laughs> I actually, when I, I was at Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary, that is part of the Graduate Theological Union, when it merged with California Lutheran University, I was there studying to be a pastor in this church. So I attended PTEL. PLTS at the GTU of the CLU for the ELCA. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, and, and you know, there are also a lot of other Lutherans in our nation, in our world, who, who don't belong to any of these three denominations either, but these are the biggest in our, in our country. So, ELCA, Missouri Synod, Wisconsin Synod, all Christian, all Protestant, all Lutheran. But, as some of you know, we do have some differences. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and why the beliefs of the ELCA and the Missouri Synod and the Wisconsin Synod vary is complex. And again, I will do my best to answer this accurately and faithfully and charitably and helpfully. 
keeping in mind, of course, that I am an ELCA pastor <laughs> serving in an ELCA church, so I do have a certain perspective on these things. And that within these denominations, of course, different congregations vary in their understandings and practices. So it varies from church to church. And in the hope, as always, that we will all have grace for those who just see things differently than we do. That said, I'm going to focus here on the ELCA and the Missouri Synod, the two that I imagine most of us are the most familiar with. So, just a little bit of background. The Missouri Synod was founded in 1847 among primarily German Lutheran immigrants, and it is centered in the Midwest and Northeast, hence Missouri Synod. The ELCA is, is, was formed in 1988, so fairly recently historically, when three different Lutheran denominations joined together to form the ELCA. And those three denominations, and some of you probably know this history better than I do because you were maybe part of these predecessor bodies of the ELCA, they had formed from various Lutheran congregations as well, and they all joined together in 1988 to form the ELCA. A significant commonality among the predecessor bodies of the ELCA is also a significant source of difference with the Missouri Synod. Hermeneutics. Does anybody know what hermeneutics means? No, I did not until I went to seminary. Uh, hermeneutics is a word that means how we interpret the Bible. It's something I addressed a bit last week, and I will address a bit more fully here as well. So generally speaking, our friends in the Missouri Synod take a literalist approach to Scripture. Unless it is clearly figurative, every word in the Bible is to be taken literally, at face value, without further considerations. A literal seven days of creation, every character in the Bible is an actual historical figure, Essentially, laws written 4,000 years ago apply today as they applied 4,000 years ago. So the whole of Scripture, the entire Old Testament and New Testament, is equally pertinent, weighted, and authoritative. So in the words of a statement of scriptural and confessional principles that I found on their website, here's what the Missouri Synod says. The Missouri Synod rejects that the gospel, rather than scripture, is the norm for appraising and judging all doctrines and teachers. Generally speaking, we in the ELCA take a contextual approach to scripture. Scripture is taken in its literary, historical, and present context. What does it say? What does it say in the larger passage, the larger book? What did it say to those who first experienced it? The Bible being written in the languages of Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic? And what does it say to us today? How is the Holy Spirit working in our lives through the Word of God? Individual passages or verses of the Bible are understood in terms of the whole biblical narrative, 
this story of God, our creator's unconditional and unfailing and unending love for us and who we are as God's beloved children. So individual passages and verses in scripture are not simply independent declarative statements that can be pulled out of their context and placed categorically somewhere else. So for example, if I said to you, do not go to the store, and you pulled out of that phrase, go to the store, you've taken it out of context and you've completely changed the meaning of that phrase. So I just want to be clear, the ELCA affirms that all scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, is God's inspired and authoritative word. And some biblical points are more important than others. Jesus himself said that there were two greatest commandments. Jesus prioritized some commandments over others. So in the words of the Scriptures, Creeds, and Confessions page on the ELCA website, simply stated, the Scriptures tell about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit uses the Scriptures to present Jesus to all who listen to or read them. That is why Lutheran Christians say that the Scriptures are the source and norm of our teaching and practice. So I would say, in contrast to our friends in the Missouri Synod, the gospel is the norm for appraising and judging all doctrines and teachings. As I said last week, where do I draw the line? I draw the line at Jesus, the solid rock on whom we stand, our Savior and Lord. So this difference in how we interpret scripture, among other things, leads to other differences as well. So the ELCA and the Missouri Synod differ regarding who we will and who we will not ordain. And some of you know, I hear some knowing. So, uh, and again, I'm treading lightly here. I do want to be fair and I do want to be faithful. But in the Missouri Synod statement that I quoted earlier that is on their website, it is a statement of their faith and practice. When they talk about scripture, not the gospel, being the norm, here's the example they give. As, for example, when a decision on the permissibility of ordaining women into the pastoral office is made on the basis of the gospel, rather than on the teaching of scripture as such. The Missouri Synod does not ordain women. They do not affirm women as pastors, and in many of their congregations, as I've heard personally, they do not support women in leadership roles. They do this, I believe, by taking a few statements of the Apostle Paul about women not teaching or having authority in the church out of context, while not acknowledging all the women Paul states are partners in ministry and leaders in the church he served, like Lydia and Phoebe and Chloe and Priscilla and Junia, and I could go on. 
You know, once when I was serving as a hospital chaplain during my pastoral internship, I was meeting with a gentleman who was 90-something. He was on hospice care, and we were chatting, and I learned he was a Christian, and we were sharing how important it was for people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I was so excited, and I said, yes, that's why I want to be a pastor, and he said, I can't go with you there. (laughs) Women can't be pastors. And you know what? I didn't debate him. That's not what I was there for. But it it made me sad. The ELCA does ordain women, obviously, (laughs) for which I am deeply grateful. And we do this, interpreting scripture in the light of the gospel, following the teaching and example of Jesus himself, who engaged in a deep theological discussion with the Samaritan woman at the well, much to the surprise of his male disciples, who allowed Mary, Martha's sister, to sit at his feet like a disciple, the posture of a disciple, and listen to his teaching. He welcomed that. And who, when he rose from the dead, chose Mary Magdalene, a woman to go and share the good news that he had defeated death forever. She was the apostle to the apostles. She was the first person to preach the good news of life in Christ. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fills the disciples to go and preach the gospel to the astonished crowds in Jerusalem on that Pentecost day, there were women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, among those disciples. The Missouri Synod also does not ordain members of the LGBTQ community. The ELCA does. We believe that everyone who is called and gifted to be a pastor should have the opportunity to be a pastor. The ELCA and the Missouri Synod also differ regarding who we will and who we won't serve communion. The Missouri Synod, although there are some differences in different individual churches, generally practices closed communion, which means that you cannot take communion at a Missouri Synod church unless you're a member of the church, or at the least have consulted with the pastor beforehand. They do this, I believe, by taking a few statements of the Apostle Paul warning against receiving the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, out of context, while not acknowledging Paul's unwavering and consistent affirmation that the grace of Jesus Christ is not based on our worthiness, but on Christ's worthiness. When I was a chaplain, again, and in other contexts, I've just heard far too many stories, and maybe some of you have experienced this as well, of people who were denied communion, And many of them, they didn't go back to church. 
That breaks my heart. You know, I never heard the flip side of that story, though. I've never heard anybody say, and they gave communion to everyone, and it was chaos. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people heartbroken about being denied communion. I've never heard anybody heartbroken because they received communion. The ELCA, and I'm so grateful we do, practices open communion. We believe Communion and baptism, the two sacraments in the Lutheran church, are means of grace. They are not about what we do. They are about what God in Christ has done for us. When we take the bread and wine of communion, we take in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his life for ours. We experience his sacrificial, nourishing, life-giving love. We know his grace. Why would we ever think we could deny that to anyone? All are welcome. One more example. The ELCA and the Missouri Synod also differ regarding who we will and who we won't join with in other denominations. The Missouri Synod holds, again, this is according to their documents and, and statements, that the Bible requires agreement in all that the Bible teaches. So the reasoning is that you cannot enter into fellowship with other Christian denominations that disagree with you about what the Bible teaches. And for the Missouri Synod, this actually includes the ELCA. The ELCA continues to form ecumenical, church-wide partnerships with other Christian denominations, like the Presbyterian Church USA and the Episcopal Church and the United Methodist Church and others. And we do so, seeking the unity among followers of Jesus that is his prayer for us in John 17, that all may be one, and affirming the teaching of the Augsburg Confession a foundational confessional document in the Lutheran Church that the true unity of the church is present where the gospel is rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered. And trusting that through our common commitment to sharing the good news in word and deed, more and more people will come to know Jesus. As I mentioned last week, at the end of the Gospel of John, John says Jesus did a lot more stuff but these are written, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and believing have life in his name. Because in the end, in the midst of all our differences, our mission is to share the good news that Jesus Christ is the God of all creation in the flesh who lived and died and rose again, for us and for our salvation. Our call is Christ's command to love God and love each other. Our opportunity as ELCA Christians is to express the grace of Christ in which our faith rests. I will close with these words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, 
12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. With bind everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Thanks for listening. Each week's episode is edited by Nick Cox. Music performed by our St. John's Worship Band. Sermons by me, Pastor Jen Shaw. Make sure to subscribe to hear each week's message. If you'd like to know more about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, to share the life-giving word and do the life-giving work of Jesus, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.